Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Blessed to our spirits, we pray, and our souls, and our bodies, and our minds. Thank you that your word is medicine, O oh Lord. We receive that this morning in Yeshua's mighty name. Hallelujah. Can you turn in your Bibles to 1 John 4, 17 to 21? 1 John 4, 17 to 21. We're having a wonderful Bible study on Thursdays at 5.30. encourage you to join us if you can. We're going through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we've been camping on love for the last three weeks. And it looks like we're going to be camping there for quite a while. <laughs> it's a vast subject, but so important, so important. 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 17. All right. The title of this message is Perfected in Love. Perfected in Love. But let me read first. Love has been perfected among us in this that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You see that? He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother. All right, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. All right, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Love has been perfected among us. Well, the Lord said in Matthew that we are supposed to be perfect. Did you know that? He said, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, you see, the moment you say that to most Christians, immediately they get out a big list of do's and don'ts. You see, and now perfection is if you can tick off all the, the blocks, you see. Okay. It's a common mistake. He's not talking about that. Did you know that? He's talking about being whole. Perfection is wholeness. Wholeness. And that's what we are about here. We want the people here to be whole. You see, we spoke about suicide earlier. You only commit suicide if you're not whole. Am I right? You see, if you're whole in yourself, you're at peace with yourself, with God, with others. That doesn't mean that we don't have any sin in our lives. We're working on it. We're all a work in progress. You understand? We're all developing. But you can be whole along the way. Did you know that? You don't have to wait for one day when we get to heaven to be whole. You see, and he said, be perfect. He didn't say die and then be perfect. Be perfect. But you see, this is one of the ways in which you and I can achieve this perfection. Now, you see, we've been talking about depression here. And I mean, for heaven's sake, woman sitting next to me waiting for the nurse. She's got to take a vitamin B shot. I think it is once a week to help her deal with stress. And then there's, she gets medication, and this medication apparently is for a child with depression. When on earth do you get medication for a child having depression? What has a child got depression for? Now, what we're going to talk about this morning is really the cure. I mean, really the cure. And you see, we've got to know that and apply it in our own lives. 
And if we have got the answer, you see, we've got to live the answer, then we can help others. But the point is this, you see, we don't have to live with depression or anything. Because the actual cause of all of this, the root issue of all of these problems is fear. Did you know that? It's all fear-based. It's been clinically proven. 99.99% of all sickness and disease, the cause of all of these things is fear. Fear releases certain chemicals into the body that cause toxins in the whole system and it all boils down to sickness and disease. Amen. Now, what I want to show is in the Word of God, you'll see on the one hand, you have two things connected. On the other hand, you have another two things connected. On the one hand, you have fear and unbelief. All right? Fear and unbelief are closely associated. If you don't believe, you have fear. See, you have fear of torment. Fear is torment because you have fear of judgment one day. That's on the one hand. On the other hand is faith and love. Love and faith are very closely connected. Did you know that? The Bible says that faith works through love. Can you see? On the one hand, we have fear and unbelief. On the other hand, we have faith and love. Let me give you the example. The Lord is going into Capernaum and the leader of the synagogue, Jairus, comes up to him and says, please come and pray for my daughter. She's about to die. Twelve years old. Anyway, so he heals this other lady and then he says, right, let's go. On their way, the servant comes and says, don't bother the master. The child is dead. Imagine as a father hearing that information. That must be absolutely devastating. Can you imagine? Your child, just the thought that you'll never be able to talk, play, associate with your child ever again. That's separation and it's devastating for any parent, father or mother. You understand? But what did the Lord say right then? What did he say? He said to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. Can you see that? The moment you and I get into fear, we get into unbelief. Right? And God is out of the picture. See, So the Lord said to him, now remember he has the Lord of life, he's going to heal the child, but it was important for him to say to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. It's not written in the word, but you know what? I believe. When he said those words to him, there was such love, such compassion. People that have met the Lord in this life, they say, all of them describe him as his eyes and his appearance, liquid love. Liquid love. So here Jairus is, Devastated, and here the Lord of Life, with his eyes full of liquid love, is saying, Don't be afraid, Jairus, just believe, trust me, basically. And you see, because there was such love, I believe he in his heart thought, Well, there's nothing better to do, but this could work. And we know the story. He went to the bedside of the child, took her by the hand, raised her from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Remember Peter, they're on the boat and then the Lord comes in the middle of the night walking on the water and they all get terrified. He says, don't worry, it's me, it's me. Peter, standing in the boat there, thinks to himself, you know, this looks like a great thing to do. And he says to the Lord, bid me come so that I can walk on the water, basically. The Lord says, come. You see, the Lord's all gung-ho for people stepping out of their situations, amen. And he walks on the water. And then the Bible's very clear. The waves begin to get bigger. And the wind begins to howl even stronger. All right? And then it says that Peter became afraid. Do you see that? He became afraid. The moment he became afraid, he began to sink. All right? The Lord grabbed him and said, Peter, why did you doubt? Do you see the connection? Fear and unbelief. Fear, they can't mix. If you've got fear in your heart, you don't believe fully. You see? That's a fact. And here we have the situation where water, if you can walk on water, doesn't matter if the water's a bit higher or lower. <laughs> if you're walking in the felt and you come across a little hill, you say, oh, because it's a hill, I can't walk over it. You're walking on water, you can walk over a little hill. You understand? But fear is not rational. That's what I'm trying to get at. Fear is not rational. Circumstances create fear. The devil's job is to create fear. Did you know that? He loves a pantomime. He loves a pantomime. That's why the Lord prayed for that one little boy, and the little boy got even worse and fell down, and they thought he was dead. So much for God healing my son, sort of thing. You understand? But the Lord's not phased. Carries on, raise him up, and he's 100%. Can you see the pattern? The devil's stock in trade is fear. Why? The moment you and I get afraid, we can't believe. You see, the moment we get into unbelief, God can't really help us. That's why Yeshua had to say to Jairus, 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 don't be afraid. Don't let fear get into the equation. Can you see that? Only believe. Now at this Bible study of ours, I think it was Sharon said to me, looking at me, she said, don't you have any fear? Thinking that maybe you know, I've arrived and after all these years of this knowledge, I would be fear-free. <laughs> I was a bit hesitant to answer the question, and I'll tell you why. The reason is I've learned in this business, all right, that nobody knows our heart better than God. He knows it a lot better than we do. Amen. And one thing I've discovered going along this walk is that very often God orchestrates a situation in which you and I discover something about ourselves, and it's not necessarily a comfortable situation. Do you understand? So you see, what I'm saying is that I'd like to say there's no fear, but I don't know. Why? Who knows what's really in my heart? But what I do know is this, is that, you see, the pattern is this. When God displays something in your and my heart, all right, when we find out I've got fear in this respect, know something. We are not perfected in love. Amen? What is the answer to fear? 
You see, it's all very well saying, I must believe. But how am I going to believe when I'm terrified? Now, once again, it's very easy to say. It says here, remember, that he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Okay, now let me explain that. You see, if you and I realize we've got fear in our heart, first of all, we must realize in that particular area of our life, we have not been perfected in God's love. Now, I've shared this before, but it's very much like being in a room here, and God's love is out there, is it not? The sun is shining. But if we want his love in you, what have we got to do? Open the curtain, you see. We've got to open the curtain. What I'm trying to say is this. When we detect inside of us fear, that's not the time to curl up into a little ball you know, and try and forget about life. You mean? That's what actually happens. Very often, the Bible says the sluggard turns on his bed and says there's a lion in the street. The sluggard turns over on his bed and says, there's a lion in the street. But the question is, is there a lion in the street? He doesn't know. You understand? He's too scared to find out. So instead of going and finding out, he'd rather just roll over and play dead. Let me tell you, that's the cause of depression in our society. Fear of what's out there. But you see, we're not prepared to go out and face it. Can you see that? Because we're not prepared to go out and face it, what do we do? Roll over and pray dead. What we fear is probably not even out there. 90% of what you and I are afraid of doesn't even actually exist. Did you know that? But you see how the devil works. Places fear in your heart. When there's fear, there's no belief. And what do we do? We get into unbelief. And we go into a downward spiral. All right, now this is so important. What is the lesson? When you and I have fear, face up to it. But not on our own. Not in our own strength. What do we have to realize? In this particular area of my life, now I might know the love of God as far as salvation is concerned, I might know I'm going to heaven. I might know that he can heal me. I might know all these things. But if I'm afraid of something, what does it mean? In that area, I have not been perfected. What do I have to do? Open the window and let God's love flow in. Do you all see that? When that love is allowed to flow in, that fear is removed, you and I are then able to really believe. There was a lady here. We had a lovely time of sharing. Some of you might have been here, but she shared. She said, I have a terrible fear of having a stroke. This is now an established Christian for many years. But her story was she saw, I think it was her mother, sister, and her father in the family. A lot of people have strokes, be confined to their bed, and live a miserable, miserable life, and eventually die. So you see, she sat and she said, I'm terrified of having a stroke. Quite understandable, isn't it? Now you see, the fact that she could share that meant what? 
we could put her here and pray for her. And I said to her these very words, I said, because your mother had a stroke, because your father had a stroke, because your brother had a stroke, because the dog had a stroke, because the dentist had a stroke, Mrs. So-and-so had a stroke, Auntie Susie had a stroke, Uncle Joe, because all these people have stroke, does that mean you have to have a stroke? You understand? And she could say, no. You see? And she was released from that fear. Did you know that? She did die, but it wasn't from a stroke that long after. But she went very suddenly. You understand? Sad thing that she went. But she didn't have a stroke. She didn't lie in bed and have to be served and ministered to and nursed for ages. You see, so God answered her prayer in a way. What am I saying? You see, you know, I've got to be careful. All right? We've got to be careful. And we've got to be sensitive and to be very, very honest with ourselves. The moment we detect fear of any sort, big or small description, know something. In that particular area, we have not been perfected in the love of God. Amen? And we need to work on it. Amen? We need to, as it were, open the curtain of God. Light, as it were, and let his love flood us in that particular area. Can you see that? If we don't, what will happen? In that particular area, the devil will always have a hold. Do you know what happened to Job? Many people say, oh, well, Job, a good example of how God expects us to suffer. A young man said to me, I'm trying to get closer to God. And he said, I've started reading the book of Job. <laughs> Can I make a suggestion? If you want to get closer to God, rather don't start with the book of Job. But anyway, you see, if you read Job, you've got to understand something. The salient phrase in that whole book is, apart from when he actually meets God and knows that he's alive and he's well, when he says, what I have feared has come upon me. Did you know that? He was afraid for his children. If you read between the lines, he had all these wonderful children and they were living a rather dissolute life. They're having parties all the time and just... And he was worried about them. So he'd go and religiously light candles, so to speak, or take off a sacrifice, sacrifice. Now, it's not wrong to worry and be concerned about your children, obviously, but it had become a fear. Can you see that? It sounds good to have a fear for your children, but no fear is good with God. It means that in that particular area, we have not been perfected in the love of God. You understand? And the Bible says, what he feared came upon him. Can you see that? Because he had fear, he was a righteous man in his day. That doesn't mean he was perfect. You understand? He was the most righteous man around. That doesn't mean he was perfect. And God wanted perfection. So God had to bring certain things to his attention. This fear of yours, Job, is not good enough. Do you understand? I hope you're getting this. Because you see, you and I have got to be very cautious. When there's fear in our lives, what have we got to do? Bring it into the light of God. Get God to help us overcome that fear with his love. It's quite funny, you know. I went to see the quack 
I shouldn't call her a quack. She's not a quack. She's a very good doctor. And uh, she's tried to tell me that, you know, I need to take my blood test before I go to sleep. You see, the reason for that, she said, is if your blood sugar goes down while you sleep, you could just die. I don't think she knows how to take me because I said, to, wouldn't that be wonderful? Just go to sleep and off you go, you know. <laughs> what better way to go? <laughs> she, I don't know what she thought about I said, goodbye, cruel world, and I'm out of What am I saying? I'm not terrified of death. No, I'm not saying that if my life isn't threatened, I wouldn't be afraid. I think God's placed in us a normal human reaction to resist yeah. death, you understand. So certain things kick in when our life is threatened. But the overall plan of things, I don't every day worry about the fact that one day I might shuffle off this mortal coil. The devil would like me to, but I'm not finished yet, you understand? So there's nothing he can do to stop me at this stage. What am I saying? Can you see? I will not go to the doctor and say, I need some medication because I'm terrified of death. Amen? I won't. I don't have to because in that particular area of my life, God's love has been perfected. You understand? This is a wonderful life God wants us to live, a life of wholeness. He doesn't want us to live with fear of want. Most people, do you know that, battle in our society with fear of lack, quite understandably. But it's not uncommon and it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. Did you know that? I'll give you a classic example. Here we have this rich young ruler. You've all heard of the rich young ruler. He comes bounding up to the Lord, falls on the ground, worships him, does everything on the outside, and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord says, well, why do you call me good to start off with? That took the wind out of his sails. And then he said, you know what to do. What does the law say? And then this man gets all proud. He says, well, I've done this and that, you know, all these commandments. You see, he went through the whole rigmarole. In other words, he had ticked off all the boxes. You understand? Then the Lord puts his finger on the very issue. He says, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you got. Give to the poor. Couldn't do it. Why couldn't he do it? Why couldn't he do it? Afraid of being without. You understand? So what the Lord was saying to me in that particular area, you have not been perfected in God's love. Soon after that, he said to his disciples, any man who gives in this life gets hundredfold. You see, I mean, just think how wealthy that wealthy man would have become ultimately under God. And he would have had eternal life starting right there. A man said to me, facing certain decisions that he had to make, big decisions, and he said these words, and the moment he said these words, I realized I'm wasting my time. He said, I've never, ever been in a place where I can't have what I want. See that? My whole life, I've always worked and I've always been able to buy whatever I want. But the problem is, he has to make decisions in life which might threaten him being able, in his mind, to be able to buy. Can you see that? Fear. Fear. Fear of not having. Can I tell you how many people have been stopped from doing great things for God because of that?
fear, you see? And what's the answer to the problem like that? To recognize that it's fear and to let the window open and let God's love heal us. Can you see that? From that fear. So that faith can grow in us and the man can make the right choices. And live a wonderful life. Amen. Let's pray. 